0: It's good to be here with you again this Sunday morning. Um, my wife, Sarah, is great with numbers. Uh, she handles all of our uh, finances. She has all sorts of spreadsheets, and they have formulas in them, and, and I don't really understand. And, and if I have a math question, I go to her, and if we play a game that involves math in any way, she just automatically wins. She's great with numbers. I'm more the words guy. She does the numbers. I do the words. It's a nice division of labor. Uh, And I, words are my profession. I use words. I I speak publicly. It's good to know the words and what they mean and how they're pronounced and how to use them correctly. And so I, I take fairly great pride in knowing the words. And every now and again, my wife has a question, what does this word mean I've not run across it before and, and I'll answer that and every once in a while she'll ask me said do you know this word and I will say to her yes of course but before I tell you what it is let me walk into the other room with my smartphone and then I will return to tell you So every now and again I, I just don't know right I want to talk about a word we don't know very well today Our world is full of hurt and fear and division and anger and pride, and unfortunately, the church often is as well. We need something as believers. We need something as the church to anchor us to God and to bring healing in the midst of Hurt and anger and fear and division. And that's why we are talking about the Jesus way. Jesus gives us a set of eight truths, a set of eight core principles that are the foundations of his way of living. They are the foundations of his kingdom coming into the world. They are the ways in which we fundamentally connect to God and to each other and to Christ and to his kingdom. And we call those eight truths the Beatitudes. Beatitudes is a Latin word. Uh, It it literally means blessed or blessing. Uh, And as we talk about these Beatitudes, these blessings that Jesus provides to us. We remember that blessing, as far as Jesus is concerned, is not um, about comfort or wealth or ease or prosperity or possession or anything like that. But when Jesus uses the word blessing almost exclusively in the Gospels, and the rest of the New Testament authors use it this way as well, that when the word blessed is used or blessing is used, it, it almost exclusively Speaks to a relationship, a relationship with God. And so when we talk about blessing, we remember that blessing is a state of divine joy based on nearness to God that does not depend on any worldly situation or material possession. So when we hear Jesus say, Blessed are you, we're hearing him say, Near to God are you, filled with the the joy and love of God are you when you live this way. And we find these blessings, these beatitudes in uh, Matthew chapter 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in um, the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is essentially presented to us as a new Moses. Um, He's born in a time of turmoil when his people are subjugated to another people just like the Israelites in Egypt. Um, He is rescued from a a tyrannical death order by the reigning king just as Moses is rescued um, from Pharaoh's edict to slay all of the firstborn sons. Um, He goes through um, this calling of God in the wilderness. Uh, He goes through uh, a Red Sea, if you will, when he is baptized in the Jordan River. And now he comes into Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and goes up on a hillside and begins to teach the people just as Moses stood on Mount Sinai and gave the word of the Lord to Israel. So Jesus does this with his Sermon on the Mount. This is how Matthew portrays Jesus to us, this kind of a new Moses. And the Beatitudes kind of serve as a, as a new Ten Commandments, except they're not really Commandments. They're not so much commandments as they are ways that Jesus is bringing his kingdom. Ways he is calling us to live that will make us more like him. And so we come to uh, our third beatitude today. Two weeks ago we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are humble, who know that they need God, who know that they cannot do it all on their own. And when we live like that, we are blessed with God's Kingdom. Last week we talked, blessed are those who mourn. Those who are willing to say, it's not okay, and I can't make it better by myself. Those who are willing to to look at the world, to look at the church, to look at their own lives and say, something is not right. And it grieves me in my soul, and I'm going to come and mourn before the Lord. Especially mourning my sin, which will lead me to repentance. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you'll mourn like that, for you will find the comfort of God. You'll find that he is near to you in that kind of mourning. Today we move on to the third beatitude, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, which says this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth in my opinion this is the hardest of all the beatitudes hands down uh, i think that this is absolutely the hardest of all the beatitudes for two reasons the first reason is that we don't really know what meek means so it's not a word we use a whole lot I, I i don't use that word in day-to-day conversation very often anybody did, did you have you used the word meek today or yesterday, this this last week? Did it show up in your conversation with anyone? Yeah, I didn't think so. So I think that, that we have a hard time with this beatitude, first of all, because we don't understand what the word meek means. And secondly, I think this is the hardest beatitude because once we do understand what the word meek means, we will discover that this beatitude runs counter to nearly everything in our society. This beatitude is almost 180 degrees diametrically opposed to Western society in general, and American society in particular. But more than any other beatitude, this beatitude is vitally important for the healing of the church. And so we need to understand it. Living in meekness can dramatically transform the life of the church. And so we need to dive in and we need to understand what meek means. Meekness does not mean weakness or shyness or timidness. It would be very awkward, I think, for Jesus to to say, blessed are the meek, if meek means timid, and then Paul to come along later and say, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Meekness does not mean weakness or shyness or timidity. Instead, the word meek in the Greek language in which Matthew is written means something more like calmness. Gentleness, mildness, humbleness. It is the opposite of angry, arrogant, or aggressive. What does it look like? then when this word is lived out when Jesus comes along and says blessed are the meek blessed are the gentle blessed are the humble blessed are the the calm blessed are those who will set aside anger arrogance aggression what does that look like to be meek well it means two things at least First, it means that the meek are gentle like Jesus. The meek are gentle like Jesus. Uh, the Greek word for meek appears just a handful of times in all of the New Testament. Like three times or four times besides Matthew 5.5. 5. Uh, And so one of the principles that we use when we try to understand what a word means is to look at how it's used elsewhere in the Bible. When when we want to get a handle on what Jesus means when he uses a word, we look at the other uses of that word to see what it might indicate to us. And, And so Matthew actually uses the word more than any other writer in the New Testament. The word shows up three times in the Gospel of Matthew. Once here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are you when you're meek. The other two times that this word shows up in Matthew, it applies to Jesus himself. One time Jesus uses the word about himself, and the other time the author of Matthew uses the word to describe Jesus. And so when meek shows up in this gospel, two-thirds of the time, it's talking about Christ himself. And so, if Jesus is saying, Blessed are you when you are meek, he's talking about some kind of characteristic he himself possesses. I want to take a look at those two verses with you very quickly. The first one is in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 29, this may be a familiar passage to you if you've spent any time in the Bible. Uh, It says this, Jesus speaks to us and says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The word that's translated as gentle in that verse is the word meek. And then in Matthew chapter 21 Verses 4 and 5, a passage that's normally read the Sunday before Easter as Jesus comes into Jerusalem and what we know as the triumphal entry, the author of Matthew writes this to us. He says about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, he says this in Matthew chapter 21 verses 4 and 5, this all took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to daughter Zion, see, your king, Jesus, comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That word gentle, again, that is used to describe Jesus is the same word that we find in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, as meek. And so when we, we ask ourselves, well, what does it mean to be meek? If, 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 if the meek are blasted, and I want to live this way, this, this thing that Jesus tells me about, what does that mean? It, it means, first of all, that we live gently like Jesus. There has been um, this kind of great tug of war in a lot of scholarship in the last 20 years or so uh, that tries to pull meek into one of two extremes. One side of the argument tries to make meekness kind of this um, almost effeminate quality, and the other side tries to pull it into a super weird, ultra-masculine quality. That, that, that meekness is, is being, uh, in some people's opinion, uh, more womanly or more manly it's a weird weird argument there are people who say well well when we're talking about being meek we're talking about uh being like women who are quiet and submissive and and it shows a really kind of bad understanding of women uh and really a a bad opinion of women and and there's other arguments say well no meekness is really about about power and strength but in a in a quiet and dignified way, like the quiet warrior strength, and 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 that shows a really bad understanding of 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 masculinity as well, and a bad understanding of meekness overall. Both of these arguments do. Uh, meekness is neither masculine nor feminine, but it is Christ like. Meekness is a Christ like virtue of gentleness toward others. And we need that. We need more Christians who are like Jesus. I do not think that that is a controversial thing to say, by the way. We need more Christians who are like Christ. Right? Like that makes sense to everybody? All right. So if Jesus says... I am gentle. And Matthew says, Look, your king comes to you gently, and we want to be more like Jesus, then this ought to be a character trait that we embody. In fact, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit that when we live with the Spirit inside of us, we ought to be producing gentleness. We need gentle Christians. That does not mean that we need Christians who are doormats or who get walked over or who are shy or timid. That is not what meek means. But we do need gentle Christians. We do not need angry warriors bashing others. But we need kind and caring servants humbly engaging the world around them with love and with the good news. We need Christians who are like Jesus, who are gentle, who are meek. Because it's these kind of Christians who will do exactly what we were talking about earlier, reconciling the world to God. So meekness at least means gentleness, but it's not just that. The meek are gentle like Jesus, but the meek are also under control. The meek are under control. There is a strong element in the word meek of both self-control and being under the authority of God. The meek are not reckless. Meek people don't just do whatever they want, who cares about the consequences. The meek, again, are like Jesus, under God's control Jesus when he comes he says I have not come to do my own will but the will of him who sent me listen if Jesus says I have not come to do my own will then Christians we need to learn that we must be like Jesus in this same way I have not come for my own stuff I'm not here to make my own life better or to make everybody behave the way I think that they ought to but I'm here to be under the will of God that's meekness not recklessness, but meekness is what we need. Exercising another fruit of the Spirit, self-control. I, 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 don't, um, I don't share this often, but it is true. I am an amateur magician which is super geeky and dorky, I know. Uh, but uh, I used to have this magic trick that a friend of mine made for me. It's this box that you can open up both sides, and you can see that there's absolutely nothing in the box, and then you close the box up and, and then open it again, and you begin to pull things out of the box. And I used to use this, this trick to teach about the fruit of the Spirit, that, that it's, it's not something that is naturally inside of me, but that's something that God gives to me when I live like that live like he calls me to, and and I begin to pull out, you know, uh, I would pull out these um, kind of colorful pieces of paper or scarves and say, that you know, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, Uh, but I I didn't have enough of them, and so I I always had to, I always ran out by the time I hit self-control, and so the the trick would end by me reaching into the box and finding no self-control. That's how Christians actually live, Yes, love, joy, absolutely, peace, great, patience, well, okay, kindness, uh, gentleness, okay, faithfulness, yes, self-control, I don't even know what that word means. (laughs) We need people who are meek, who are under control, who exercise self-control because they are under the authority of God. God. We need this in our life in, in a couple of ways. Peter explains it to us. First Peter chapter four, verse 11, says this. Peter writes to us and says, "If anyone, what, speaks. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. and if anyone, what serves." They should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Listen, if anyone speaks, if anyone serves or acts, it ought to be through the power and the glory and the will of Christ. We need to be meek, under control with our words, and our actions. Meekness is important in how we talk to one another. Ephesians 4.29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit all who listen. This was our theme verse in my high school youth group. Uh, So much so that when anyone kind of stepped over the line, we would point at each other and go, Ephesians 4.29, Ephesians 4.29, which is probably not how Ephesians 4.29 ought to be used now that I think about it. (laughs) But we need to be meek in how we talk about one another. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's not just about bad words, swear words, but it's about words that tear down instead of build up. It's about words that, that beat down people instead of heal them. And this applies whether the word is spoken or whether the word is typed, by the way. Anybody need me to say that again? <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, all right, it applies there. The things that God teaches us apply on the internet. Everybody with me? Somebody say amen to that. Amen. The things that Christ teaches us apply on the internet. All right, just double, just double checking. We don't know each other real well yet. I just wanted to see where we stood. Do not let any awesome talk come out of your mouth or out of your Facebook page, Paul might say. Instead, we need meek speech toward one another. We need to practice saying words like, I love you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I appreciate you. It's okay that we disagree. I love you anyways. You're my friend, no matter what. You're my brother or sister, no matter what. I spoke too soon. I spoke too harshly. Forgive me. Those need to be parts of our vocabulary if we're going to be meek people. If we're gonna be a people under control with our words. Our words need to be under God's control if we're gonna be meek people, but so do our actions. So do our actions. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 say this, It is God's will. Whoa, anytime that shows up in the Bible, perks my attention, right? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Here's what that means. That you should avoid sexual immorality and that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That you should learn to control your own body. Paul is obviously talking here about a particular type of behavior, but the point applies across all types of behavior. That we ought to behave in holy and honorable ways toward each other. That both our speech and our actions ought to be under God's control. Our actions ought to be actions of blessing, active blessing, not apathy. We don't just bless when an opportunity comes along. We go and look for blessing. That's actions that are meek. We use our, our hands, our arms, to embrace, to encourage. Maybe not as much during pandemic, but under normal circumstances. That's meekness, to embrace another person, to give of, of your own self to someone else in that embrace. We use our feet to go to places that other people aren't willing to go to. Places that are are hard, ugly, forgotten places with the good news of Jesus. We, We use our actions to be under the control of God. That's meekness. And that's not natural. It doesn't happen on my own. I am not naturally a meek person. My society has taught me to be otherwise. We live in a society that is not born of meekness. I love the country that we live in, and I'm proud to be a citizen of this country and to enjoy the privileges and freedoms that I do, but, but our country is not founded in peace and in meekness. Our society is founded in violence, in rebellion, in killing, in displacing indigenous people, and enslaving those who were brought here. Meekness is not part of the vocabulary of America. If you lined up 100 of the U.S. senators and however many hundred of the U.S. congressmen and went down the row and went, is this person meek, is this person meek, is this person meek, is this person meek, according to their words and actions, I'm not sure how many you would find. Meekness is not inherent in us as a people. It must come from God. In meekness, we submit to the Lord and place ourselves under his control. Jesus' brother James says this in James chapter four. We keep coming back to James chapter four. It's almost like this passage is important. James chapter four, verse seven says this, submit yourselves, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Note the order of operations in that verse. Submit yourselves then to God. If we are to be meek people, if we are to enjoy the blessing that Jesus says comes along with meekness, it's going to come not by anything that I do, but because I have submitted myself to God. And I have allowed God to fill me with his Holy Spirit, which will produce, among other things, gentleness and self-control in me. And Jesus does promise a blessing with this meek living. With a life that is gentle and self-controlled, with a life that mirrors and reflects the life of Jesus. There is a blessing for us there. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek inherit God's world. The meek inherit God's world. At every turn... No matter where I look, it appears that the powerful, the bold, the brash, the braggarts, the angry, the loud, the shouters, the aggressive, the thoughtless, and the unkind get their way. That's how it appears whenever I turn on the news or flip over to the internet. I got to stop doing that. That's how you get ahead in this world. We are taught and told by being arrogant, by being the bully, by being up in someone's face. But the gains that we make that way are temporary at best. Jesus has a new kingdom coming. It has already started to invade this present reality and someday it will surpass and supplant it and this world and the things that are of this world, they will fade away, and Christ's kingdom will be inaugurated in full, and we will have a new heaven and a new earth, according to Revelation. And Jesus says that the meek, the meek, those who are gentle like him, those who are self-controlled like him, those who are submissive to God like him, they will be the ones that will inherit this new earth. Not the brash, not the braggart, not the angry, not the aggressive. Jesus says the meek, the meek will receive this blessing. And when Jesus says that, he is drawing on some very ancient imagery. Jesus is drawing all the way back to the Psalms, to Psalm 37. Jesus knows his Old Testament. By the way, if we want to be like Jesus, that's something else we probably ought to work on. We're we're pretty heavy into the last third of the Bible. But Jesus often goes back to the Old Testament again and again and again. And here he reaches back into Psalm 37 to find these words about meekness. Psalm 37 verses 7 through 11 say this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him and do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes refrain from anger turn from wrath do not fret it leads only to evil For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Do you believe that? Are you willing to be meek? It's not how you get ahead now. I can tell you that. Meekness has never gotten me a bigger bank account or more recognition or any kind of power or prestige. I don't drive a nicer car when I am meek all those things that the world says are blessings, they're not attached to meekness at all. But the blessing of God, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, is. The gentle and self-controlled life results in a deeper relationship with God and the promise of an inheritance that is eternal. In order to help us wrap our brains around this a little more, here are your action steps for this week. Uh, Every week I like to try to invite um, the people who are are enjoying uh, worship and scripture with me to to try to put something into practice, myself included. So this is what I'm going to be doing this week, and I want to invite you to do this too. We just read a few verses from Psalm 37. Would you read the entirety of Psalm 37 this week? I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but it is a beautiful psalm. And from beginning to end, it is a picture of what it looks like to live in meekness. So I want to invite you to read Psalm 37 this week. And and then I want to invite you to pray a dangerous prayer with me, if you're okay with praying dangerous prayers. Would you pray and ask God to teach you meekness? By the way, when you ask God that, you will discover all sorts of opportunities in which you can choose to be meek or not. But if you're willing, would you choose to pray with me that God would teach you meekness? And if you have listened to what I've had to say today and you have thought to yourself, I don't know that I need this, please hear me in all Christian love. You're wrong. This is one of the things that Jesus says his kingdom is built on. We don't get an option on this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is something we don't talk about a lot. I hope you have a better understanding of the word after today. But even more than we don't talk about it, we don't practice it a lot. That's a shame. Shame on us because nothing can lead us faster to healing than gentleness and self-control in our words and our actions. Nothing can lead us quicker to harmony with each other than lives lived in humble submission to God. And that's so different from the way the world lives. In fact, it's so different from the way that the world lives that meekness ought to be one of the defining characteristics of Christianity because it's something that you almost can't find outside of Christianity. Meekness ought to be synonymous with the Christ follower's life. It would certainly set us apart if it was. In fact, it would set us apart so much That just maybe a world that is tired of angry yelling and arrogant bullying would see in us our gentleness and our self control. And they would say, I want that, that's better. And they would come to us and say, What is this all about? Why do you live the way that you do? and we would have the opportunity to say to them, because I want to live like Jesus. There's blessing for me there, and there's blessing for you too. Come and discover what it means when Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for Jesus and his instruction to us. We thank you for his life, his example for us, that he is gentle and that he is self-controlled under your will and your direction. Father, in a world that has no idea what it means to be meek, help us to learn. Help us to learn the kingdom way of meekness, a way that is so opposite, and so foreign to the way in which our world works. And Father, as we learn to live gently toward one another, as we learn to live with our words and our actions under your control, Father, may we experience healing in our own lives and in the church may we become a beacon of blessing to the world around us so that they too might come and know the Jesus who is gentle and humble of heart and so discover his blessing of an internal inheritance that no one can ever take away. We pray this in the name of our meek and wonderful Jesus.